0: Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for um, the weather, the Christmas in the air, the the gift that we have, uh, and the break from the typical Texas heat. We thank you that your mercies are renewed every morning. We thank you for your word, and that it reveals to us Christ and his kingship and his lordship over his people. And that is a kingship that is born out of his love for his people and there's a call there for us to image that to imitate him and so Father we ask that your spirit would be gracious to us this morning and helping us to think through our lives in every area how we could better glorify our great king by imaging him in each and every area of our lives even the areas that we don't want to ones that we like to carve off for ourselves we pray that you would give us hearts that yield to your spirit this morning in his name we pray amen all right we are in leviticus 19. 19 there are 27 chapters in leviticus uh and we're uh we're getting within shooting distance of being done with leviticus I don't know if that's an encouragement to you, or if that's depressing to you. I don't, I don't know. I get the... But anyway, we're, we're almost there. Today we're going to go through verses 1 through 18. And I'm just going to read it, and then we'll just kind of talk through what's going on here. When I'm done, I want to hear your initial impressions. Just kind of... I, I assume you haven't read it yet. And, and probably skip it during your yearly year, reading. So, let's just see what the initial impressions are. 1 through 18. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it, or on let see offer it or on the day after, and anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted, it will not be accepted, and every one who eats it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from his people. Verse 9, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him, the wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning, you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. What are your initial thoughts on this?
1: It sounds like the Ten Commandments to me.
0: Sounds like the Ten Commandments. In fact, some people have called this the Levitical Decalogue. The, 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 recapitulate, the reiteration of the Ten Commandments in Leviticus in chapter 19. True, but it's more than that here, isn't it? Other things going on? What else do you see? The repetition of Lord your God. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Is there anything in the context of this passage that would tell us why that's a repetition?
1: Well, just they're about to eventually get to the land of Canaan. Okay. You know, you've got all these idol worship and these influences around, so he wants them to remember that he brought them there mm-hmm. and that he is their God and these these statutes separate them from the other people that they may know that he is the Lord and He gave them this stuff.
0: We're in the middle of a holiness code, right? You talk about separates them out as a people, what is the definition of holiness? To be separate, to be, separate, to be distinct, to be unique, to be wholly other. How does he begin the passage? (laughs) What does that tell you about the basis of their holiness? Be holy as I am holy. It's It's grounded in the character of God. And so you see this repetition again and again, reminding them, this is what it looks like to be holy. Now, last week, we spent a lot of time on the you shall not... And there was a lot of sexual ethics kind of issues that were going on there, cultural things going on there. This chapter deals with what does it look like to actually take on righteous duties, to do something righteous, to, to image God. And these are not by any means exhaustive situations, but they give examples. And it, it, it follows, um, well, the head of each of those examples is a, a, one of the Ten Commandments. Or several, all at once. So, let's see. There was a call to holiness, we saw this last week, a distinctiveness among their pagan neighbors. In chapter 19, God gives a series of commands giving examples of what holiness looks like in action. Do do any of you feel this kind of random disconnectedness in the passage? Just kind of scattershot laws. Does that... Is that kind of no? Yes? Do we dare? Do we dare admit it? I mean, it, there's kind of a yeah. Here's to address a little bit of the heart here? Uh-huh. And give a little more reasoning for why not to do or why to do some things. Addresses more heart issues and the mm-hmm. basis for what are you gathering that from? Uh, like when he said, when you reap the harvest, don't uh, like leave some left over. And mm-hmm. He says why? What
1: he doesn't usually always say. The why it's not right,
0: the Ten it's just don't things. do it, right? So, the Ten Commandments are pretty solid, just don't do it. Okay, so more of an understanding of what the heart should be. How the heart should be engaged in the acting out of the Ten Commandments in these specific case law instances. Again, these are examples of what does it look like. Let's start at the beginning. When you've you've already kind of uh, established this, to whom are these commandments written? First, we'll we'll go there. We do this as we look at each section. Who are they written to? they priests only, or who who else? Everybody. Everybody. It's everybody. What does He tell them is the basis for the obedience of holiness? It's, you shall be holy because I am holy, right? That's the grounding of their action. The grounding of their distinctiveness is God's holiness. Holiness is the imitation of God. Human holiness is emulation or copycatting of God becoming and acting like Him. It's not in theory. It's not in words. But holiness is awe in action it's reverence revealed we talked about you reveal what you are who you are the only way i know that i am a believer the only way somebody else knows that i'm a believer is how i act do i act a certain way what do i profess is my does my life line up with the character that i say i profess as my worldview? and here that's what he's calling them to do be who you are in my kingdom How does he begin? Verses three and four. Where does he start? How does where does holiness begin? At home? At home. Isn't that Anderson? Why would he start there?
1: It's fundamental.
0: It's fundamental. fundamental. Honor your what what does it say? Some of you said father and mother. What does it say? Mother Now, isn't that odd? Mother. mother and father. That's different than the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Why would he do that? Why would he reverse the order here, do you think?
1: Maybe to so show that in honoring, that the order doesn't matter because both are created equal
0: Who is typically considered socially the weaker person in the marriage? The wife. She's under the protection of the husband, culturally. That's the case. And so she's under the protection of the husband, and yet his command to the sons, his command to the daughters, honor the mother and the father. Honor your mother and your father. Why is that? Why is God calling for reverence of these now out of use people that helped us out at one time and now they're just kind of a burden on us. Why does he call us to do that? That's not very practical. What are they doing as they're raising their children? Teaching and instructing. Teaching and instructing in what? The Word of God, the, of God, the Ten Commandments. Um, go take out the trash. Did you just talk to your mother that way? Really? What does that do? That's teaching not only God's Word, but it's teaching a reverence for authority, right? It begins in the home. A kid's not going to be abstract. They're very concrete. And the authority that they see above them immediately is mom and dad, right? I know how to honor God because I've learned to honor my mother and father. It's what is basically the call. It begins here in the home. God set up this unit, this structure of society, to begin the training of how to honor and reverence Him. What we see here are uh, the fourth and the fifth commandments. Holiness begins in the home generally we learn what reverence means through the discipline and instruction of our parents revere what does that mean revere Honor, on a pedestal, lift up. to do what to what end how do i know i revere something if i revere the police officer with the gun the, the the little radar gun on pilexi this morning as i was speeding to you what do what do i do immediately in reverence to him
1: the Proverb to use is the word
0: Fear. Fear, right. right.
1: And it's meant in that reverence context.
0: It's not in the corner with a nosebleed shaking, although it can be that in certain instances. Revere is, I'm, I recognize authority, I recognize preeminence and power, I act accordingly, I obey, based upon my understanding of the nature of, of authority. And it starts with a home. It starts with mom and dad. Parents have a God-given authority over their children, so parents have the first opportunity to image that authority wielded rightly. That's a two-way street, isn't it? Parents are to wield that authority as God wields that authority, justly, rightly, from the heart, with compassion. And children have the first opportunity there to learn how to obey that authority. All right. So what's the first distinctive of obedience in the home. What's the first grounding of training in the home? Where does he go immediately? Keep the Sabbath. That's odd. Why would he go there?
1: Shows that the authority is actually above the parents and it goes all the way to God.
0: So as they're training their children to honor God on the Sabbath by keeping that holy. What first of all, what is the Sabbath in relation to the, the culture of Israel? Day of rest, why? Who's given given by whom? Given by God. They were slaves in Egypt with no rest. God, his first act as their new king, gives them a day of rest. That's a covenant relationship, yes? So this is a this is a distinctive of their covenant to honor God on the Sabbath, a day of rest. They honor God by resting. Odd thing to do to a master, to rest because he commands you to rest. And so the parent is showing this deference, this reverence for God by resting and not being very productive and not trying to maximize profits out of their land. They're resting and honoring God. And so that, rightly said, shows the children that there's an authority above my parents. And I'm honoring them as they're honoring their authority, and that authority is God. So you see that immediately it begins. Covenant distinctiveness. We are a special people. We are committed to Him. And this is how we begin to show it, is keeping the Sabbath. It's modeled in the family. It's a sign of the covenant. Parents' obedience to this sign of the covenant would impart to the children that obedience isn't just something you have to do as a kid. It's an act of worship. All right look at verse 4 begins in the home there's distinctiveness in the Covenant you're learning that not only mom and dad are authority but God himself is the authority over everything and so we go where don't let anything creep in between you and him. don't let anything creep in there's a there's a there's a, a nod here to a certain event that we read about toward the end of Exodus What does he say? He says, Do not turn to idols, or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. Does that sound familiar? Move over, idols. You have, basically, within their law, again, a recognition of their former idolatry after they'd been redeemed, after they'd come out of Egypt. There is, again, don't go back to this. This language would be used later of uh, when Israel split. There's a civil war, and, and ten kingdoms went, and Judah and others say, that the, this language is used of Jeroboam's setting up of golden calves, so people wouldn't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. Here's your God. It's the same kind of idea here. Um, The word idols here has two possible meanings. There's a root meaning uh, of nothingness, worthlessness, or weakness. It's a comment on the nature of pagan deities. The second one uh, is a shortened version, possibly, of the generic name for God. And it's understood kind of as a derogatory term, little gods. All right. So you have uh, holiness in the family, beginning the family, through the distinctiveness of the covenant. You have the exclusiveness of holiness here with don't worship um, other gods and then you have holiness in worship look at verses 5 through 8 what what is the, the example of holiness and worship here what, where does he go you would think sin offering guilt offering burn offering or something like that something big but where does he go peace offering, peace offering. why why would he hold this up as the example? Is there a juxtaposition
1: to other nations? Because they would sacrifice stuff as well, but they wouldn't make any peace offerings, with they? Uh,
0: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We're not given that. Who, is, who plays a major role in the peace offering? Do you remember the peace offering? What, the, 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 the procedure there? There's a meal. Who eats? Everybody. everybody. Who's everybody?
1: everybody? The person offering
0: it. The person offering it eats a portion of the offering, and the priest eats on behalf of God. This is the only offering in which the the offeror, the person bringing the offering, actually participates in. Right? The others, he kind of hands it off. The priest does all the work. Here, he's participating. There's an involvement, a major role. of um, of the offeror. Holiness is shown in worship as God commands, not in worship molded like an idol to our preferences. Every dimension of life is touched by holiness. God requires that the peace offering should be carried out in a certain way. If it's not done in the right way, what happens? If it's not done the right way, it's eaten on the third day, not the second. person should be cut off from his people. It's a pretty serious penalty for letting meat get a little bit more right than it should. Is that really the issue?
1: Because you're being disobedient, you're not going to have that communion with, with
0: God. Right. There's a disobedience there.
1: You're not going to have the holiness required.
0: And there won't be holiness. There, there's a In the disobedience, what are we doing? What does he say? It's... What is the action tainted. tainted the meats tainted and how is a ritual it's, ritual it's a ritual impurity
1: it will not be accepted.
0: okay and what does it say about God profaned. they've profaned what is holy it's not just the meat it's the heart of obedience going back to the heart it's the heart of obedience if I disregard obeying God in how he's to be worshiped I'm making what is holy common for my own purposes I mean that's the idea here and so we're profaning his name incidentally we know culturally we've seen this from Genesis 1 1 um, that the name is identified with the being of the person so profaning the name is profaning to the person it's not just boy I don't like the name Sam it's It's a it's a shot at Sam's person, right? No no you know, no comment on Samantha. Um anyway. Holiness and the harvest. Let's look at nine and ten. Do you see a promise in this command? Could they fulfill this now? Yeah, go ahead. That there will be a harvest. That there will be a harvest. Can they do that in the desert right now? We are now harvesting cactus. <laughs> Come to our na- our new sale. We have a you know, farmer's market. Is that is that... Uh, where can this take place? In the, land. in the land that they are promised. The promised land. So there is a promise in the command itself. This is going to happen. And when it does, even now, we need to be thinking about how to live out our lives in holiness um, you know, it's weird. I, I expect to have instruction on family time, covenant particulars, and all that stuff in the tabernacle. But this is my land. Right? Why would you Why are you gonna tell me how to use my land? What, what do you see here as the evidence of holiness and how he calls them to be industrious, how to, how to use their land? What's the, what's the, uh, what's the call here?
1: It should be a reminder of you to be generous to others because I've been generous to you.
0: I am the Lord, right? It goes back to that.
1: Well, several yeah. We see where the text says, "For you were, you were once a stranger and a foreigner." Right. I think in relation to Egypt. So it, it, it's 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 a call to be gracious to those who can't afford all this, and who can't get their own food. Because it's just leading an exemplary lifestyle. In other words, they once were strangers and foreigners.
0: So, Does this so, just to be an example
1: of, of that, be gracious as God was gracious to them.
0: Right. And, and is this just dealing with other Israelites that can glean their land? Uh-huh. Who else is in, in view here? Sojourners. What's a sojourner? Sojourners. Other than a neat little Bible study thing. What? They're there for a brief stay, or or sometimes a little longer. Can they own land in Israel? No, it's all tribe inheritance stuff. If you don't have land in this kind of culture, can you really be a mover and shaker? And no, no. W- where are you basically relegated to?
1: You're at best skilled labor.
0: You're at best skilled labor at best. Many times just day labor, right? These aren't Israelites that are just in view here. These are people from other countries, other nations. Chance that they'll go back, probably high. What would they take with them? Hey, we lived in this place, Israel. Perhaps the culture, perhaps an understanding that they live differently. Number one, they they rest one day a week. Number two, they let me glean from their fields. They didn't maximize profits at the expense of human people. You know, human humanity. They're human people. That's kind of redundant. But they weren't redundant. Um, Holiness is others-focused. Holiness requires generosity. That's a distinctiveness of the culture of Israel that God calls them. The language here has a sense of not stripping the land bare, but leaving some of the crop on the ground and on the vine. Um, this is not an Ayn Rand view of capitalism. Complete selfishness, that's a good thing, you know. That spurs the economy. Libertarian or die, you know, whatever. This is a this is a a call to industry, but not at the expense of generosity, right?
1: I can't help but think of Chick Fil A. They're not open on Sundays, so they have a, a weekly Sabbath. They. Give away every hundredth the customer they give their food for free. That's kind of like the one percent giveaway. They
0: don't cook to the edges of their land. Is that what you're yeah? Yeah, don't fry to the edge of their land. If they only offered health benefits to their customers, would be like we'd have never mind. I was gonna make a joke about politics, but I'm not gonna do that. All right. Generous care means putting people before maximum profits. All right. Verse 11, holiness and dealing with another's property. Do you see the Ten Commandments here? Verses 11 and 12, which ones?
1: Shall not steal,
0: or bear falsehoods? Okay, we got no steal and no lying. What else? Take the name of the Lord in vain. What do you see from this? Somebody steals something. Are they likely to be very truthful about it whenever they're confronted? We're all connected. The law is interwoven. You can't just sin in isolation on one. That's why the James statement that, you know, whenever you, you fail in just one area of the law, you've blown all of it. Well, it's all interrelated. If you're stealing property, you're probably going to lie about it, and you're probably going to lie about it with an oath. Right? I swear to God, I didn't do it, you know. Right? I'm innocent. So, using God's name, His person, uh, for common use to justify your evils is what is what is in view here So not only have they violated don't steal they violated don't swear and now they violated or don't lie And they've now they violated using God's name in vain for their common purposes um, those who stole would often lie and deceive to cover up their wrongdoing. If accused, they would be tempted to swear falsely an oath of innocence in the Lord's name, using God's name to get away with evils uh, they had committed. Um, the evils they had committed was treating His name for expedience and making it part of the wrong. His name is to be revered in the culture. The name represents the person. All right. Again, the the inner working of the law I think is highlighted there. Uh, in addition to um, the calls to respect property and honesty. Look at uh, verses 13 and 14. What is your impression from this? Again, going back to the heart, what's your impression from this? Consider others better than, better than yourself. Okay, consider others better than yourself. A and, and nod, mm-hmm. nod to Paul. Moses is making a nod to Paul. in view here? What types of people are in view?
1: <coughs>
0: those who have fewer resources, those who are disadvantaged, yeah, more, helpless. more helpless. What is he calling on them to do? Holiness requires that we not take unfair advantage of the poor or exploit the weak. That word oppress is often used in regard to monetary gain at the expense of the poor, withholding that which belongs to another. When's a hired man to be paid? Again, it's back to the day labor thing. This includes Israelites and sojourners we talked about before. When is he to be paid? Same day. Same day. Same day. That would be sweet. That would be. Um, why? Why is that a big deal? He may be eating on that. His, his food and his shelter may depend on getting paid that day. Right? And by withholding it, you're withholding... I say you. The one who, invi- who violates this law is withholding the means by this guy to, to survive, to live. He's depending on this. You're withholding what's already his. He's already earned it. So don't hold back. Um, when he
1: has no foundation on which to fight back,
0: he has no. So if
1: you were to withhold his pay, right? What you
0: do? What's he gonna do? If you hold his pay, he he can't go. I mean, he can't pay a lawyer because you got his money. Those guys are expensive. Whatever. What?
1: Do not withhold good to those when it is in your power to do so. And that, if you do that, then. Into you. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of what parents teach their children like about obedience. Mm-hmm. And bang, all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. Yeah. So that it's evidence of your obedience and your faith and, and so the Lord that you're going to do what you can do right when you
0: can do it that right. a, a, a holy heart, we'll stick with the theme the holy heart acts quickly to do good, right? um all right. What is this? Curse the deaf, or put a stumbling block before the blind? What does that mean? What is that about? Is that some new gang game?
1: Taking advantage.
0: What is what is a uh, when when you curse a deaf person? They can't hear it. They can't hear it. So you can be railing on them and laughing about what you're saying, and and they can't hear, they can't defend themselves. They're you know Uh, putting a stumbling block before a blind person. What's going to happen? You stick your leg out. Is the what is that? What does that say about the heart that would do something like that?
1: That it's black.
0: That it's black. That it's cruel. That it likes to make a joke out of other people's
1: natural inclination. We.
0: So our natural inclination to, to pray on the weak for fun. I think so. Yeah. And they're called to be different. A holy person is not to be cruel to those who are physically dis- disadvantaged. Not cursing the deaf has the idea of showing that person respect or honor. Why? Why would you show somebody respect or honor? Because
1: we're all created in God's
0: image, right? Again, it's a reflection of the heart of God. We're created in His image, regardless of maybe our physical disadvantages. It's still the image of God, and we're to act differently than um, a world that says, only the strong survive. One one of the smart guys said, one is rather to fear God because He sees and hears everything. That's the takeaway from that. All right. 15 and 16, we probably... Probably could skip, I guess. I don't know what's what's going on there. Holiness at court. There's an oxymoron for you. <laughs> what are they called to have? What are they called? How are they called to treat those who are poor? Not to be cruel. Not to withhold what's theirs, but when it comes to court, we put our thumb on the scale for the poor. What does it say? Equality and treatment. Equality and treatment. Not to um, interpret laws in a way that that um, that necessarily uh, prefer one party over another. Um, yeah, I don't know where to go with that.
1: <laughs> Flat tax.
0: Yeah. Um, previously, the disadvantaged are, are not to be mistreated. But here, neither are they to be favored in court. There's balance. There's, there's, a, there's an old saying in the legal profession that uh, bad facts make bad law. Uh, you have just a horrible situation and everybody's heart is like, oh, this poor person, and yet here's the statute. Here's what here's what we're to be guided by. And so a lot of times activist judges who may be operating from a heart of compassion put the thumb on the scale, interpreting the statute so that it gets the benefit, benefits the outcome that they want to happen. Bad facts make bad law. And there's a call here not to let that happen in the justice system. Um, how, how are things, uh, what does he call out about the justice system that might make it unfair? What does he say? 15 and 16. What does 16 say? What is he talking about there? talking about courts. What was a primary source of evidence in the courts at this time? They didn't have a Jerusalem CSI. What did they rely on? They relied on testimony. And you get a rotten witness. You get several rotten witnesses who kind of have a thing in the back. Hey, you do this, we'll get money out of this, You know this kind of thing. that perverts justice. That's all they had to rely upon. That's right. Jezebel did that with Ahab to to trump up charges against the guy who owned a vineyard. I forget his name. Naboth. Uh, And perverted justice so that the king could exercise eminent domain, basically. Just put that out there. Um, Over someone else's field and take it for himself so he had a nice place to walk in the evenings. All right. A witness was not to speak falsely, neither was a witness to refuse to say what he knew. That idea of uh, stand up against the life of your neighbor, it, it, the, the, the idea there is um, to keep your mouth closed when you know the truth, to fail to testify rightly. So it covers it from both angles. Don't say something false. Don't refuse to say the truth. That I'm sure we're well beyond that now in our justice system because we've evolved so much socially alright 17 to 18 Have you heard this before you shall not hate your brother in your heart but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself anybody ring a bell Something, I'm thinking red letters. <laughs> this is Levitical law, and it's not cold code. You can hate from the heart, but you're called to love from the heart. What does it mean to hate from the heart?
1: Truly, without any doubt in your mind, truly hate
0: somebody? Yeah, how do I know that? you oppose them with your very very Very, with your very soul you oppose them I know that because my soul also causes action yes and if I'm hating from the heart I'm speaking it I'm slandering that person I am I am acting in a way that that uh, denigrates them or takes from them or or uh, causes them harm there's a hating from the heart you can hate from the heart, you can love from the heart, you know what it is by the actions taken. It's not just the feeling. What does he, instead of allowing this festering hatred from the heart, what does he call upon uh, one to do in Israel when they are offended by another Israelite? Airing the
1: grievances.
0: Airing the grievances. In what way?
1: Reason
0: with them. Frankly. To reason with them, frankly. It's not... It's not a... What's the goal here?
1: Resolution.
0: Resolution. Another word starts with a P, ends with the E. <laughs> He's calling for peace, right? He's calling for resolution without bitterness. Talk it through. Get it done. What is that about? What is that showing? If, if I am taking the opportunity to let go of some bitterness and just deal with an issue we got this thing going on. We need to deal with this. Directly, frankly, not him hawing, not being athlete. Just get to it. What does that show, number one, about my heart toward the other person?
1: I think it shows if you believe they're your brother, if you hate them, you're already assuming that they had malicious intent and whatever went on, and it's already worked up into something... Really bad that they've done against you right if they're your brother, and you're going with the intent of reasoning with them mm-hmm. for resolution you're going with the heart of um, You know surely they didn't mean it to come across this way mm. and you know they're my brother We're going to work this out. We have things in common mm-hmm. We serve the same God It's a di- It's a whole different mindset, right? It it to, sometimes we Even if, if they it, did mean it, do mean
0: to be. yeah, sure. So
1: just with, oh, well, we serve the same God, and how many times do I really mean it when I say somebody? Is, so just knowing it, who's gonna throw the first
0: stone? Right. right. Is this a concession to living in a fallen world with fallen people? It's a call. We're gonna screw up. I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me. You're going to sin. It's gonna drive me nuts. I'm gonna sin. It's gonna drive you nuts. It's a call to, how do you handle that? Do you fall into the sin of your brother by hanging on to bitterness and anger and all that? Or do you go to the heart of it in repentance with the idea of restoration, wanting to restore um, the relationship? Um, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a contrast here between love and hate that's interesting in these verses. Standing by mutely incurs guilt from the sin. He calls them to first show the other their sin, not to humiliate, but to resolve the conflict without any lingering resentment. Peace is the goal. This too is holy living. It's how the holy God shows his generous love to those who sin against him. Remember the golden calf. He didn't obliterate them totally. There was a reckoning, but he didn't obliterate them, and he didn't stay in hatred toward them. There must be no revenge or grudge, no smothered ill will. Let love run through your streets in a pure, full stream. Love as you would be loved. All right. That is our that is our walkthrough, verses 1 through 18. So we see whether it is family, the worship, business, the poor and the disadvantaged, the judicial system, or social interactions generally, Israelites were to understand that no area of life is unaffected by holiness. All of life is sacred. You, have we heard about this recently? All of life is temple work. All of life is temple work. All of life is to be brought into the lordship of God and to be lived according to his statutes. Here's what struck me. I'll just tip my hand. Christ again tells his church, You will be holy because I am holy it's the same command right except with one distinction he lived a life set apart holy in all areas of life devoted and zealous to obey his father you will be holy because I am holy does that take on a different meaning as it relates to Jesus There's not a a call to be holy to earn status. There's a call to be holy because of the status that's already there. You will be holy because I am holy.
1: Every time I see that statement, it's just a it's a matter of fact. It's not a better be holy. It's just you're gonna be holy because I'm holy, because I'm your God. It refers back to like Genesis, was it nineteen, where he's put animals and then God Himself walks through to uh, make the covenant with Abraham. It's like saying, "I'm going to do
0: this," and, like, have to say and He and 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 the idea here is that He's already done it. <laughs> yeah. That He is holy; therefore, we will be holy. He's
1: chosen Israel.
0: As a he did it to give His holiness, His right standing with God, to us as a gift. His He calls us. To imitate Him in holiness, not so that we can become distinct from a watching world, but because we are already made distinct from a a watching world. That's That's the grounding. We're already distinct. Live, be who you are in Christ, is the call of Jesus. Be who you are in Him. But we often live very fragmented lives. Right, there are certain things that we say. Yeah, that's, I probably need to obey God here, but this, how I use my land—that's mine. I want to maximize land. I'm going to cut to the edges. Incidentally, they didn't. There was never a definition of where the edge was supposed to be of the land. That was a discernment issue. Called on them to use wisdom and discernment. How generous are you? Is how far you're going to cut back from the edge of your land, right? Now, of course, the rabbis screwed all that up by saying, "Oh, it's the sixtieth of your land." That's where you know, they got to nail it down. But God never gave a definition of how generous they were supposed to be. We are called to be discerning in every area, but there's there are areas that we aren't discerning that we that we carve out. and Say, "This is mine." Right? Peace is wholeness, not fragmented chaos. What we learn from chapter nineteen. Is that holiness is not simply the avoidance of evil, the subduing and guarding of the garden, but also the practice of righteousness, the increase and in keeping what has been gained. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Paul makes a pretty startling statement in Ephesians chapter 3. It says in verse 8 to me. Who are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? What is he talking about? Do we know? Is it the is it the this present darkness kind of thing going on? Do y'all even remember that book? Never mind. Okay, it's like a cartoon version of prayer. <laughs> this present darkness. Pow, pow. You know, start praying, and all of a sudden, I can feel the swords. Is that what he's talking about? our lives do you remember job do you remember how it starts out throne room of god where you been satan comes in with the sons of god it says and he says um god says to him where have you been he says roaming on the earth he goes have you considered my servant job holds him up as an exhibit of faithfulness our lives Individually and corporately are Exhibit A to the wisdom and goodness of God and showing mercy where judgment would have been fair. It's not just the guys at work or school watching. This is a cosmic trial. Is God wise in what he's done in Jesus? Have you considered my servant Joshua? Have you considered my servant Philip? We're all exhibits publicly and privately. We're exhibits. So, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10:31, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all of the glory of God. All of life is temple work. That's what I think we get from this chapter, or this part of the chapter. We have more to go. Anything else? Any other comments, questions? Is it late? It's not that late, is it? Nothing? All right, fine, I'll pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your mercy to us and how generous you are with us. though our lives are often fragmented and not submitted to your lordship in many areas you call us back again and again and again to be who we are in Jesus would you convict us where needed encourage us where needed give us hearts that are zealous for good works that you've created before the foundation of the world we want to be those who are holy as unto you not those who are fragmented and chaotic like the rest of mankind would you be gracious to us thank you for this day that once again we will as a body recognize the unity that we have with Jesus in the taking of the supper and that in that unity he calls us to be unified in our in our lives not fragmented, not chaotic, but wholly at peace with Him in all areas. And we thank You that the grounding of that is that He lived the life that we should have lived, and He died the death that we should have died, so that in Him He gives us the righteousness that only He possesses. We thank You for that in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Okay, we're going to sing to Joshua. It was his birthday